0: Hello, this is Matt Brown, the worship pastor here at Glenon Bible Church, and you're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, October 3rd, 2021.
1: Hey, everyone, I'm John Vanderbilt.
2: Hi, I'm Beth Moss.
1: And I'm Kelly Brady, and I serve as senior pastor here at Glenon Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level Podcast.
3: Beth is back.
2: Beth is back. Welcome, Beth. Welcome Thank you. Back. Thank it's you. It's like a
3: reunion tour. It
2: is a reunion tour. I, I like the, the new uh, opening. We don't have these long quotes from Kelly, except <laughs> that... <laughs> I like
3: it, too. So, what like you're it, saying so is there's less of Kelly. <laughs> it wasn't
2: your idea to take it out. <laughs> <laughs> Though I'm a little like, how come Matt says his role, Kelly says his role, and John and I are just like, Hey. Hey. We're just here Hi. talking about I'm stuff. Just what here. Beth, what is your title? Random Lady. <laughs> I'm Beth
3: Moss, the random, random lady. lady.
2: Random
3: Lady. You know, I just don't like titles to define me.
1: <laughs> we don't Nobody s- puts baby in the corner, yeah. is that what you're saying?
2: <laughs> hey,
3: right.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. We missed you, Beth.
2: Oh, I've missed you guys, too. Nice. Tell
1: us what's been going on in your life. You've got new jobs.
2: New jobs, couple things, yes. So I will be stepping into a full time position at Wheaton College as president, president, vice president, random Random lady. lady. (laughs) Random lady. I have worked hard (laughs) to get random lady on my resume. (laughs) No, I will be director of equity and Title IX coordinator. So I'm excited for this new endeavor. Cool. Yeah. That's
3: great. Good for you. Way to Thank go. Thank
2: you. Thank you. And hopefully I'll be able to step in here a little bit here and there.
3: Good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you're here.
3: Were
0: you here yesterday? I was. You were. First yeah. or second service?
2: Uh, second service. Second service. Packed. Mm-hmm. Packed, yeah. right? It was great. Yeah. Was first service packed too? No, not as much. Not no.
3: as packed, but it, it was It was full.
2: Full. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like first service, when I've been leading a worship team, I'm noticing first service sometimes feels really crowded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Though I wonder if that's changed a little since summer.
3: Yeah, yeah, they've they've definitely done the uh, the
1: flip
2: flop, the flip, the flip flop, <laughs> flip
3: flop when school's in and student ministry programming mm-hmm. going on second service. It's great.
1: Mhm. Yeah, they get a bunch of junior hires. Yeah. For second service, is it second? Yeah. Second, yeah. He said forty to fifty.
3: Yeah, study hall.
1: Yeah, study
2: hall. Stick calling. Study hall. Oh, my junior highers loving it. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah, my kids are loving it. Too. Yeah, it's great. I was also blessed yesterday to see some of the youth go up for prayer. Yeah. Oh. Um, some of the students, which Senior was high really students, yeah. Uh huh.
1: Front right. Yeah. It's nice to have them back up front. Yeah. Uh huh. The whole COVID thing kind of took the wind out of that, but yep. it's great to see the high schoolers.
2: They're out. happy to be back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're in the
1: college search phase, aren't you?
2: Yes. Yeah. So we'll be doing uh, college visits the next couple of weeks. Wow. Don't remind me. That's Strass. what I'm weeping about these days. Oh,
0: no, is it? <laughs> is it emotional?
2: <laughs> not yet. Not yet. You yeah. lose
3: two at once, though. That's I That's know. a whole different mm-hmm. Will they go to feel. the same
2: college? I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Pretty cheap, it's tour? pretty did cheap
3: it? to put two in college at one time. Very too, cheap. Which is good. Uh-huh. I mean, get a discount.
1: Yeah.
2: Big <laughs> discount. <laughs> Twin discount.
3: How about if we bring two kids? Does that
2: help? How does that go? The two for one? Well, they did go to Top Golf the other day, and they pretended to be the same person. Oh, So oh, maybe God. we can do that for college. <laughs> <laughs>
1: one degree for two girls.
2: One degree for two girls. They're studying the same thing. That's awesome. Yeah. we could share that. That's for sure. For sure.
0: All right. Well, we, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with questions. Let's get into some questions. We've got a lot of them today. First question. I don't want to just weep. I want to fix things. I want to be part of solutions to all the problems in the world that seems to take us quickly into political space. Is that wrong?
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: I'm just looking at all the problems in the world. That feels Feeling pretty overwhelming. Yeah.
1: How much time do you have? <laughs> it's, you know, good that this is a person of passion. They want to they be a part of solutions. Absolutely not. Nope. It's not wrong to want to be a part of real-time solutions. And rest assured, God doesn't want us to just be people that weep either. Uh, God wants us to be a people that, is a, that are a part of the solution. That's, you know, the coat drive that we're doing here. That's a part of it, our care mm-hmm. center monthly Um, pastoral counseling, care that we give to people, all part of the solutions. Um, The Bible studies that are offered here says we're, you know, we're trying to offer solutions. My warning was that we can move too quickly into solution phase and never allow ourselves to really feel sadness. There is a... A resistance to Mm lament—that's the biblical word. There's psalms that are nothing but lament uh, that ask questions like, "How long, O Lord, will you allow your people to suffer?" And um, I think in in suburban realities that Mm -hmm. that we want to be happy. Look at—you know—if you watch television, how many drug commercials are where you're you're encouraged to self-diagnose and then Mm -hmm. ask your doctor for a particular medication. Uh, we, you know, we, we run from pain. So we're actually supposed to cry with those who are crying. We're supposed to care for each other. And um, so, and I think two of the examples I offered Sunday, abortion and immigration are great examples. We can cut to the chase and start plotting solutions without ever really feeling the pain. Mm-hmm. Of the real life human pain that, that is uh, being experienced in those spaces.
0: I thought your example of abortion was good, um particularly when you talked about uh, that you watched that special yeah uh, was it it was a podcast or something yeah. yeah yeah, or you you listen yeah. to the podcast yeah. and it yeah. it just helped you um at least understand better the emotional issues that are going on, yeah. and just you know but you were like, but it doesn't change my theological position it
1: didn't it could i want to be open yeah. to that I want to listen to people, but it didn't
0: right, right. 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 I just thought that was helpful because I think a lot of people um, like when you're thinking about, should I get into this political space? Maybe they're afraid that their position is going to change and they're holding on to something. Mm -hmm. You know, I did. Yeah. I mean, look, my position on abortion will never change. I don't care what happens. It'll never change. Like, well, and how it's legislated, maybe and all that. But but for somebody to kill their baby. Like, that's not going to go from wrong to right in my world. I, I hesitate to say that
1: I understand what you mean. You're, you're, you're never going to say it's okay to kill children in the womb. No. Mm-hmm. But right. there are so many nuances in the abortion debate. We have doctors in our congregation that uh, disagree on um, birth control. Mm-hmm. And so there there's a lot that goes into... Uh, reproductive ethics. So yeah. anyway, mm-hmm. I'm still learning.
3: So. I think it's interesting to, uh, you know, my initial response is, is there's a both and here, like we need solutions to problems and y- yet we need lamenting. And so often those that are stuck in just uh, the weeping and lamenting mm-hmm. need to need to move to, to doing. <laughs> and those that are stuck in just the fixing of the problem and and getting past it and moving on and creating a solution and then getting to the next problem and creating a solution and moving mm-hmm. on, they pr- probably need to spend a little bit more time in lament, you know? Um, so th- I think different people are gifted in those different categories. And just because you're gifted and you're, and well, that's just how I am. I come to the solution. Well, maybe you need to learn to lament a little bit yeah. more and have a, a softer approach to some things or, um, well, you know, I just, I just, you know, I will cry and cry. I can't do anything. Well, maybe you need to, mm-hmm. to move out of that phase and, and start helping be a part of the, the, the solution to some degree. And I think about poverty. And if, if, if your goal is to solve an issue of poverty, like global poverty, but just think even localized, if you don't spend any time in lament, then you're not actually going to have a full understanding of what the problem is because you're not hearing the, the full effect you're just you're just mm-hmm. thinking totally tactically about what's going on so actually hearing and listening and sitting with those who are affected by poverty and how it impacts them and crying with them and hearing their story and 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 having your heart be broken a little bit is actually going to make you a better problem solver
2: yeah i was kind of thinking the same thing that for those of us who are doers which i probably fall into that category Sitting with the Lord with it a little bit it may yeah. inform how I do. Yeah. You know, yeah, totally. letting God really speak to my heart and sh- help show me what might need to happen.
1: That's a good word. I, there's so much in scripture about uh, lamenting, particularly about shedding tears. Christ wept, Nehemiah wept at the broken down. Uh, Wall in Jerusalem. So there's there's good reason to weep. I culturally, I just don't think we like it. We don't like mm-hmm. the call to lament. I said to somebody, I remarked to another pastor, um, a church that is good at lament probably will not grow real fast in suburbia. <laughs> right. <laughs> but a church that never laments will will not fully understand the hope that's found in the gospel. Mm-hmm. I'd also offer
3: this, I don't mean we're spending a lot of time on this first question, we've got a ton to go, but I I have been in times in my life where I have been, I have felt helpless and overwhelmed about certain situations in the world, right? When you get into things or you're researching or reading or, um, and you're like, man, that's, and, and um, I think, I think there's an element of some things are not going to ever be solved. Mm Mm-hmm. That there's an element of brokenness no matter how hard we work. And I'm not saying we shouldn't work for solutions. I'm not saying that that means, well, we just don't try because it's always going to be broken. That's not what I'm saying. But I think we need to realize that there's an element of brokenness and imperfection that is present in our world to help point us to Christ. I don't know how, how to, the theology on, on that, but the amount of, of um, scripture that we have that that talks about lament and talks about perseverance in your suffering, not solutions in your suffering. Mm. It, it just leads me to believe that there is a part of life and part of our experience that is always this side of heaven going to be broken. Our bodies are wearing down. Our our you know, and some of it is sin. But some of it is, is, um, is God's design, right? I mean, am I am I off? <laughs> I think if we're trying to make a utopia here, mm-hmm. if we're trying to fix every problem and make, then it, why did Christ w- die? Why did Christ die? Right. And why is there why... so much so much teaching for us in God's Word about about sitting with those who are suffering and lamenting and persevering through hard things?
1: I don't know. I like that. I mm-hmm. like that lament is a call to wait upon God to fix things.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and there's also probably some healing, and <clears throat> there's probably some growth, and there's some pro- there's probably some work that God's doing while you're doing that. Mm-hmm. There's probably, you know, like you say, often God is process-oriented. Like, mm-hmm. that's part of probably a crucial process of us mm-hmm. growing closer to, right. to Jesus, right?
2: Yeah. I know uh, someone John and I went to college with wrote a book on lament, uh oh, yeah. aubrey Sampson yeah, yeah, yeah. is called the louder song and i think it kind of speaks to what you were talking about of hearing god's voice within the lament as the louder song i haven't had a chance to read it yet but i just i just bought it actually yeah, that's, cool. Mm-hmm.
0: that's cool all right let's um, go to the next question um kind of kind of similar here, of the examples given on what makes us weep. I was left wondering about why the example of violence on the southern border was used. Why not show the terrible conditions in Haiti, specifically pictures of Haiti after the most recent natural disaster? It was very difficult to not overthink the highly political image on the screen, as it was the image that was used by news agencies to describe the political nature of the immigration debate. What was the intent of using the slide of the border patrol and mentioning violence? While I love the word "preach" at GBC today, I'm pondering the motives that slide uh, was used more than anything else. With one exception, Bob Thomas's communion comments—his message was amazing. Kind of a lot there, but the uh, the image that this question asker is uh, referring to. That, that we showed, that you showed was, right, it was the horseback image, yeah. right?
1: So it was um, it was in the news, um, border patrol on horseback were, for lack of a better description, rounding up, uh, particularly Haitian immigrants that were trying to get across the border in, in the Texas, the Texas-New Mexi- uh, Mexico border. So, um, you know, my motives in showing that, as best I know them, <laughs> were to help us feel how hard it is to separate the need to weep from a highly politicized culture. So point of fact, I, I think the image did what I was hoping it would do, that it would show us how difficult it is to, to wait on politics and our political opinions, how difficult it is to set our political thoughts aside and actually feel the pain in the image. So. Hmm. You could lament for uh, Border Patrol agents who are in such a Hmm. difficult spot. You could lament. I mean, my call was simply to consider, are we able to lament the crappy situation that Haitians are in, uh, Border Patrol is in, America's in, and that it ought not to be this way? I was Hmm. just calling us to, to see if we can... Whether conservative in our immigration policy or liberal in our immigration policy, can we see these folks as human? And we have, we have a, um, we have a really painful situation here that, mm-hmm. that Christ ultimately needs to address, and, and the church needs to be a part of that solution process. So, and, and in, in
3: fairness, the image is the image. Like you didn't, you didn't, um, ma- you didn't take it from a political.
1: I tried really hard not to make a political comment.
3: Right, and it and the image is used on both sides of the. Po- look at the great job we're doing at the border. Mm.
1: Right, or look at the mess at, at the border. Look, or look
3: mm-hmm. at the hero. Yeah, or look right. That needs to be. So what stuck out to me in the picture? The Haitian men that are running, not one of them has a pair of shoes on. Mm-hmm if if that doesn't make you lament at the fact that these grown men <laughs> have had to run flee in the desert in in mm-hmm. it, without shoes on
1: who don't mm-hmm. worry about the don't go to the solution
3: yeah first. right right just look mm-hmm. at that that and I, it's difficult. It's very difficult to yeah. do. And I, I think you the your reason for using the image it t- is the case in point. Like immediately we go. Exactly. This mm-hmm. is an immigration issue. This mm-hmm. is a political right. issue. The, this is a. The
0: question being asked just kind of proves what you were trying to it, it, prove. Agree. Right? Like what you're right. we trying to, to, right. to illustrate right. is that an image can go up and we can audit, we can immediately our first response is, wait a minute what's going on here right what's the agenda what are you trying to make me think and feel right
3: are we saying that we should open the border then so that these guys (laughs) are safe that's what you're saying when you put that image up and you you say there's violence are you saying that we should build build a wall yeah let's right let's not put border agents in that position let's build a wall and let's let's be done with this the fact is that there are people with all their possessions in a plastic bag with no shoes on their feet who've had Mm to flee their country for because of disaster and, right. and a coup mm-hmm. right, right. and a, an assassination of their president. Mm-hmm. And this is the situation, and, and, and that should break our heart.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I do. I'll just say it again. The truth is that if we can't or don't or won't feel the suffering in the world, then we're not going to get to fully celebrate the hope that's found in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we avoid lament to our own detriment. Hey, that rhymed. I think we avoid lament and don't... Did it not? Kind, kind mean. Okay. I, mean. I mean, if you were a rapper... I, would keep you it, could, <laughs> yeah. I
2: was
3: going to say, I would get keep, keep it with. out of your next rap. <laughs> you might be able to get away with it, but...
2: He's not a rapper. I'm not. lament and detriment. <laughs> that sounds like a little kid video. I mean, sometimes, sometimes That's Kelly like rapping. Like
3: Beth, it's great Pop to have KB. you back, but a hip hop, a, a hip hip <laughs> hip
0: hop, <laughs> sorry, uh,
1: next question, <laughs> went off the rails fast,
0: welcome back, Beth, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, we probably went over that enough, let's go, let's go to the next one. I am um, one of those people who weeps over everything that is wrong in the world. Frankly, it is paralyzing for me, and I have trouble feeling anything other than sadness. What advice would you give me and people like me?
1: I would say uh, make sure you read the elders' um, call to John. He actually says in the passage, so John's weeping, and the elder responds, do not weep. And, and this is not to communicate that we should not be sad but rather that we should find hope in Christ. (laughs) In other words, there are situations over which we should appropriately lament, we should weep. Mm -hmm. But that's not our only response. John made this point a a little while ago. We want to avoid both poles here. We want to avoid being hard-hearted and never feeling what the world is suffering with, the the inequities of... uh, food and, and wealth and the violence that the impoverished experience. We, want, mm-hmm. we don't want to be so callous that we don't experience that. Neither do we want to be so hopeless that we live depressed and, and as if there's no... Because um, that's not the space for a believer, right? No, right. Yeah.
2: It also reminds me of how you often say we need the bad news of sin to understand the good news of the gospel. It seems like a parallel mm-hmm. kind of thought.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, it's like tonight we have a, a football practice. I get to be the coach tonight. Wow. I'm going to tell our kids. Is that the bad news or the good news? That's, right. that's <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'll tell you tomorrow. But I'm going to tell the kids, don't stay blocked. Don't stay blocked. Mm. Right? Like they get blocked Shuck. and they just kind of. Shuck. Don't stay blocked. Don't <laughs> stay Stop the that, block. <laughs> don't stay in that place of despair and hopelessness when we have a message of hope from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I might say that too tonight, right? That wouldn't be weird. (laughs) Okay, here we go. (laughs) Question number four. Bob Thomas's communion reflections were convicting for me as I have wrestled with the narrowness of Jesus being the only way. What would you say to someone like me? It seems so clear to him, meaning Bob Thomas,
1: why is it so difficult for others? I thought Bob did a great job. Mm -hmm. Got several got quite a bit of feedback, and I know he got feedback that he did a good job. He's such a uh, a presence I guess in mm-hmm. up there so for those of you who don't know, uh, Bob Thomas uh, formerly a, one of uh, Illinois Supreme Court justices and um, also a bears kicker for
2: mm-hmm. kick yeah. for
1: the for the uh, Chicago Bears and um, like not just for a year either, but like one life. of the all-time leading scorers. really, that isn't really. yeah yeah. yeah. I know that he, he cycled off the Bears in 1984. Right before right the before. Super Bowl.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: yeah. Have
1: you read his book, The View
0: from Two Benches? No. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah I haven't read it yet. We, I think we have a copy. And, That's great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the foreword by Ditka. Sausage.
1: Wow. wow. Yeah. Anyway, Bob gave the, uh, the communion reflection and uh, did a great job. He talked. He read a letter that he had received. Mm-hmm. In the, and I don't know, did we capture the communion in, on, in the online? We don't usually
3: put the communion audio okay. online because it's, it's kind of disjointed. And, mm. but it, it would be in the YouTube if yeah. you watched oh, the yeah. video. Yeah, it's on, you know, it's it's on YouTube. Really. Yep. He
1: reads a letter that he received. After speaking at the Wheaton area or the DuPage County Prayer Breakfast, he received a letter that was, and the, the person in the letter wrote how frustrated he was that Bob presented Christ as the only way to, to be saved. What was the context of the prayer
0: breakfast? I know
3: It's an ecumenical ecumenical gathering. So it's people from all faiths Mm
1: -hmm. kind of thing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, all denominations. And I do think, uh, I don't know if it's so broad now as to be all faiths. I I haven't been, but there is a flavor to that. There are some uh, from other faiths that go. And and I know it's always a tension as to whether or not they're going to pray in Christ's name Mm -hmm. or uh, how evangelical flavor or flair will have. Would you,
0: Kelly, would you ever not pray in Christ's name? Can you, can you think of a situation where you would offer a prayer and not end it in, in the name of Jesus? I, I can't
1: think of a situation like that. Uh, I've actually uh, told people before, uh, I've asked people, hey, can we, would you like to pray? And, and I, w- I knew that they were of a different faith than I am. And I said, and I'd like to pray in Jesus's name. Are you okay with that? Mm. And they would say, sure. And you know, Muslims believe that Christ was a prophet. And uh, so...
2: Has anybody ever said no? I don't want you to pray in Jesus' name?
1: Um, I, I think um, I had some Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, did Je- I'm not sure Jehovah's Witnesses pray in Christ's name. I, I'm drawing a blank right now, or was it, I think it was Witnesses may not, they, I think they pray in the name uh, Yahweh or Jehovah, mm. and they, um. I said, "Well, then, I'll pray my prayer. You pray yours." I remember it was in our living room. They had knocked at the door, and I invited them in. We were talking. I said, "Well, let's pray, and then you'll be on your way." Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, this question asker
0: wrestling with the narrowness of Jesus being the only way, and um, perhaps thinking that that narrowness is a negative connotation, right? How do you how do you frame that? How do you see that as? Do you see that as just being exclusive and
1: not including and yeah, I see it as exclusive and not including. But, um, so I, you know, this person says, "What would you say to someone like me that is has struggled with the exclusivity of the gospel?" It's John fourteen six. Uh, Jesus says, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me." So it's very exclusive. Like two plus two equals four is exclusive. Mm-hmm. It's two plus two can't be five, can't be three, it's four. So I, first of all, I'd say to a person like this, be patient with yourself. It can be hard to know sometimes why we resist teachings in scripture. In this case, it's the exclusivity of the gospel. But, you know, I've had um, doctrine that God had to work on me, uh, take the sovereignty of God over salvation, that is, who is being saved. Um, And so I I would encourage people to ask God to help them understand why they're resisting a particular teaching. The existence of hell, a lot of people get stuck with over that, you Mm -hmm. know. How could a good and loving God allow anybody to go to hell? So be patient with yourself and then talk to God about it. Start with prayer. Ask him to reveal, what's my barrier to this, a doctrine that's clearly taught in Scripture? Lots of people resist this particular teaching because they think it's more compassionate to do so. But remember that God is love. No one is more compassionate than God which means that if he says that there's only one way to be saved, that must be the most compassionate means to salvation. I'll give you an example. The exclusivity of the gospel is compassionate because it means that evil is being addressed by God fully. Whereas if, if there were more than one way to get to heaven. If, if we each were responsible to find our own way to heaven, then evil may or may not get addressed. But through Christ, through his death, his resurrection, his return, and we'll see in the book of Revelation, his judgment of humanity, we know that evil is going to be fully addressed. And our call is to submit to that. And so I, would, I really encourage people to trust what we know about God that he's loving. And if he says there's only one way to be saved, this is, in fact, the best, most compassionate, most loving way, means for salvation. Yeah, You used to teach a
0: class at College of DuPage, right? Was it on world religions? It was, yeah. Are there, how does Christianity stand in its truth claim yeah. compared to all other major
1: religions yeah, so as, far, as far as exclusivity
0: and salvation are concerned?
1: It's very unique. Yes, it's very unique. Um, so of the five major religions, uh, take the Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity. Christianity is the only one that says you trust in one person, Jesus. All of the religions are saying some form or shape of trust in yourself, uh, clear these hurdles, behave in this way. These are the objectives. Uh, if, you can, if you can morally achieve this, then you'll be saved. Right. And each person's responsible for themselves. Um, So what I like to say is those other religions are exclusive as well. Uh, They're exclusive in that you have to achieve a certain level of morality or you don't make it in. Right. According to their guidelines. Correct? Yes. They're not saying any
0: guidelines. Right. They're saying our guidelines. Right. Where I was going with it is all major religions make a pretty exclusive claim. They're just, Mm -hmm. they're different in nature. Right. Right. Yes. Because so
1: they exclude the those who are immoral. Whereas the good news of the gospel is anybody can be a part. This is the notion. So yes, it, there's only one way to be saved, but anybody can be saved. The moral and the immoral. And mm-hmm. in this respect, uh, Christianity is uniquely inclusive. <laughs> right. Right. That's so good. there is there is an exclusivity. There's only one way to be saved, but anybody. Mm-hmm. Can't be saved that way. Whereas in, in the other world religions, that is not the case. So be patient with yourself. Trust that God is loving and that this must be the most compassionate way. Uh, in particular, it I see compassion in it because it means that evil is going to be addressed. And, and that's compassionate to see that evil's addressed.
2: I think there's a lot of us that struggle with this um, exclusivity, inclusivity of the gospel. I don't know, have you, um, I feel like every time you say it, because this is not the first time I've heard you kind of talk through this, it makes so much sense to me. Have you considered doing like a sermon series on this for those of us that want to understand this better? I haven't.
1: So let me noodle on that. Yeah.
2: So that we can speak, you know, kind of more educatedly about it, because that is often one of the things as believers that people come at us with. Well, how can you say Jesus is just the one way?
1: yeah some of the best preaching on this is offered by uh, Tim Keller who's actually retired from pulpit ministry and he, he does church planning now but if someone wanted to dig into this more mm-hmm. Tim Keller does the best work on um, on just uh, the nature of salvation why it's a blessing that Christ is the only way and why the other religions of the world are actually a unique burden, and humanism in particular is the one he takes aim at because he did work in Manhattan where um, people are highly credentialed, highly competent, mm-hmm. and and they believe education's the answer. Often, we're, we're going to educate ourselves out of this. Um,
3: we can put some Tim Keller links in the uh, description, yeah. show description, okay. so you can grab them.
1: Cool. But yeah, that's a good word, Beth. I'd be tempted to do that.
2: Mm.
0: All right, next question. If GBC attenders stand in defiance of the elders' request to wear masks indoors, then shouldn't they step down as volunteers? It is a horrible message that ushers are not wearing masks as they welcome people to their seats. They're representatives
1: of the church and yet disobey leadership. Did you see this? I uh, was this a this was happening Sunday. It's a tough question. Ushers not wearing masks. You noticed Beth? You can. I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay not wearing any mask at all
3: i don't think our right. ushers were our ushers were unique this this might you know there's a lot of people that volunteer in the in the mm-hmm. lobby are i mean m- maybe it could have been but we had a different team than we normally have okay. so i don't know they might have been speaking about this week they might have been speaking about another week i, I don't we'll know do this but, course
1: john would you state our policy what, what what are we at
3: we have no policies around here
1: <laughs> how about practice <laughs> what's have, our posture we, it's, is it a free Let's for Let's not all? box
3: each other in like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, in the communication that came out from the elders on this issue, the uh, re- requirement was to, for our staff. We said that in, on Sunday mornings, our staff and volunteers will uh, be wearing masks. And we've communicated that out to our staff and volunteers and, um, or have done the best job we can. We have a lot of volunteers Uh, in a lot of different areas some of our volunteers are twice a year some of our volunteers are every single week Mm -hmm. and so um you know in in response to this i i would apologize and say you know we're we we do our best uh to try to communicate to everyone and um, And
1: by and large i i feel like we've gotten really good Mm -hmm. followership on this yeah we
3: um Um, and, and yet at the same time, we said our, our staff and our leaders for the, for the time being, while we're in the season that we're in, um, our staff and volunteers, those that are a part of the leadership of the church are going to be wearing masks. And we request that everyone else does the same. And, uh, I, I think about 95% of the people at Glenelg Bible are, are doing fine with that. Our attendance is up. People are coming back. They're not letting this be. An inhibiting um, thing, in in large part, and um, I'm really grateful and appreciative of that. Will this last forever? I don't think so. I think we'll have changes coming probably sooner than later. So,
0: and and also all that to say, except for the platform as well. Yeah, so and people I'm, on the platform, yeah, on the platform yeah. On and masks. Yeah, yep. and, mm-hmm. and,
3: and we know, made that clear. We're far enough back. From we made that. Yep. So, yep. yep. We made that clear in the in the communication, and um, yep. yep. And we have not to this, you know this. I won't make comment on the person's heart, you know, like clearly, you know, they didn't feel good about what they saw. And, you know, that's, I, I, you know, I hate that when that, when that happens. Um, I don't think anybody is intentionally trying to create a horrible message Mm -hmm. about their usurping or disobeying the leadership of the church. I don't think that's the intent of anybody's heart here at, at GBC. Mm -hmm. We haven't had volunteers that have been upset or angry or you know yeah yeah, Yeah. intentionally right you know in a way um if somebody's doing that you know um we'll we'll address it call john (laughs) (laughs) nope (laughs) call the elders
0: (laughs) all right um we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back
3: Hey everybody, just wanted to take a moment to remind you and invite you to be a part of the Care Center's coat drive. This year we are hoping to give away over 800 coats to men, women, and children in need of a warm coat this winter. There's three ways that you can get involved. The first way is you can pick up a coat tag here at Glenelg Bible Church. You can go out, you can buy a coat and drop it off at the church here in the next couple of weeks. If you aren't able to go shopping for a coat, you can donate funds uh, to the church and we will purchase the coat for you. And then the third way you can get involved is to be a volunteer during the handing out and the shopping of coats that's going to take place here at the church. So we'd love for you to be a part of the coat drive. It's a big event. It's an all church event. We're looking for. Uh, coats, donations, and volunteers. If you head to our website, gebible.org slash care center, gebible.org slash care center, it's easy to find on the website. You have all the links, all the information, everything you need to get involved. So thanks.
0: All right. uh, Next question. This is a good one. Um, You mentioned the importance of empathy in your sermon. I ran across this article. And I'm curious to see if you see any merit in the author's opinion that empathy is a tool of Satan. This article is from Desiring God um, called The Enticing Sin of Empathy.
1: Yeah, so um, I think you could Google, listeners could Google and find the article pretty easy. It it got some, it made a splash on Twitter in the evangelical world a little bit, the notion that empathy could actually be used as a sin. And I'm just, I'll cut to the I'll make this short. My short answer is that any virtue can become a vice. And I actually quickly read the article, and it's the article's a little cumbersome because it takes the form of adding or um, it takes the form that C.S. Lewis's book took uh, titled The Screwtape Letters, where a, a veteran um, demon is coaching a younger demon. The veteran demon's name is Screwtape. The underling is called Wormwood. And so it's, the article takes this dialogue that's actually hard to sort through, and it takes some real focus. Um, but at the end of the article, he admits after saying that, he's basically saying the church is needs to be careful because we're actually too empathetic. And, and psychology has had this notion forever. It's called being enmeshed where we're drawn in uh, by those who are suffering uh, or by those that would actually use us for their, their brokenness or use us in their brokenness. So I see the uh, empathy could certainly become sinful. We could be um, overattached to somebody in an unhealthy way, not helping them, uh, feeding unhealthy portions of ourselves. And so I, I don't have any, I'm not sure why this got so much play in the evangelical community so
0: um i mean so i guess the difference between i don't know empathy and compassion because i the first place i went in my mind was like well christ had compassion a whole bunch of times in the new testament right he had compassion on them and then he healed he had compassion on them and then he fed people like so i don't i don't know where the line is past compassion and empathy and when empathy gets becomes a vice i
1: but. Uh, they were saying empathy becomes a vice when it becomes a tool um, to serve a person's sinful desires. So the, near as I could tell, understand the article, and again, it was cumbersome because it was, it was uh, situated in a dialogue between two demons about how to undermine a Christian person's walk. Yeah. So it was, it's a little difficult to sort through, but they positioned it as when a person is suffering encourage them to draw others into th- their suffering by empathy and there's this over over-involvement and enmeshment mm. and that's I, I think it's unhelpful and yeah. could feed our sinful desires yeah. yeah
0: all right last question loving the podcast just started listening this past week question from Bob Thomas's portion of the service how would you or would you Respond to the pen pal's letter of rebuke about claiming Jesus is the only way.
2: I was I was hoping to hear that too. I wondered if Bob might include it.
1: So I reached out. So to Bob. I wrote back and I said. I said.
2: <laughs>
1: Bob is no wilting flower. <laughs> <laughs> he, he responded with a gift. <laughs> a gift. A gift. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it
2: was, just him it was a mic job from Cop, Papa KB. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Bob's no wilting flower. So, you know, I, I know that he's, as a Supreme Court justice, he, the man has received a lots of critique in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he said, you know, I saw this guy later and uh, saw him out in public and there wasn't much engagement over it, actually. The guy mm-hmm. um, didn't seem eager to chew on it with him. So, uh, but I also know Bob well enough to know uh, that, you know, let's, let's, let's be honest, vocationally, he's a judge. He thinks truth exists, so I think he would say something along the lines of, "Why do we balk at spiritual truth when, in every area, uh, every other area of our lives, we're desperately clinging to it?" So, yeah. and I've done this before. Uh, so there's mathematical truth. Mm-hmm. There's historic truth. Hitler was a ruler of Nazi Germany. There's scientific truth. What? What goes up must come down. There's economic truth that, um, of supply and demand. None of this stuff do we wince at. In fact, we shape our lives around these absolute truths. But for some reason, we balk at spiritual truth. And if it were me, and I think Bob, I know Bob well enough to say, I think we we balk at saying there's absolute spiritual truth because our hearts are rebellious. We don't want to bow our hearts to the mm-hmm the reality that Jesus is Lord, and he has authority over me, and I I must repent. Yeah. So. Wasn't there also a jab uh,
0: in in the letter he, he read about him just being a justice and, have, and having yeah, faith intertwined, intertwined with you, it? Wasn't there a little jab us. in there about it that? It was,
1: yeah. you're a public figure, you're elected to public office, how dare you talk about... Mm. I just cannot wrap my mind around
0: that expectation being put on somebody, like with with what we believe and who we are as Christians that Christ lives in me right right like mm-hmm. that I'll edit my how, conversation how do up. I make myself not be myself so that I can perform my profession yeah. mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense like
3: yeah the man. living out of the separation of church and state is uniquely i mean people have unique takes on what that actually looks like and what that means and
1: and I will say ethically uh Job, Bob's not on the Supreme Court anymore, but when he was on the Supreme Court and serving as an elder, there, mm-hmm. there are particular guidelines. Like he, as I remember, he couldn't uh, send out fundraising letters on behalf of the church. He wasn't allowed as a Supreme Court justice to do fundraising or something like that. I could yeah. be bo- mm-hmm. botching it. But so he's aware of the ethical guidelines that he needs to be careful of, but, but giving up all your spiritual um, convictions is not required. Right. I, I mean, we let we let humanists serve as Supreme Court justice and... Atheists. Atheists. Mm-hmm. and So.
0: Yeah. I, it's not like if there's, you know, uh, two people at loggerheads and one is a Muslim and the other is a Christian, he's going to go, oh, guess what? The Christian's right here. Like, no. Based on his Christian values, like, he will find the truth of the situation and well, judge Well, the irony
1: of the objection in the letter was that they were saying, you're a judge holding public office. How can you claim... Absolute truth exists. And I want to say, gosh, I hope our judges believe (laughs) absolute (laughs) truth exists. That there's two plus two equals four, and it excludes the possibility that five is an answer to that question. It's just insanity. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate to text the next level podcast, 630-474-6164.
3: Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith.
2: We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better. Strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together.
1: Thanks for joining us, Beth. It's good to have you back. Thanks, Thanks for, for being having here. me. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the next level. Boom.
0: Prophecy.